1790, the year after the beginning of the French Revolution, a 29-year-old French naval officer, Jacques Marcelin Serrain de Hop de la Sousse saint vrain we'll call him Jacques saint vrain along with his father, Pierre-Charles Marquis de Lozère de Hop de la Sousse, we'll call him the Marquis. They saw the handwriting on the wall for aristocrats in France and decided they were going to get out before the violence found them. Jacques and the Marquis, along with the entire family and household, they left their ancestral lands in Normandy, sailing for New Orleans in the Louisiana Territory of New Spain, and then made their way up the Mississippi River to the Missouri. The Marquis settled in St. Genevieve, and the son, Jacques, continued north to St. Louis to make his fortune. In 1809, Jacques partnered with a brewer from Germany, Victor Hab, forming the St. Vrain and Hab Brewing Company, the first large-scale production brewery in St. Louis. They produced ales, table beer, porter, common beer, and also strong beer. However, hops and malt were difficult to source locally, making their strong ales very expensive and only affordable by the well-to-do. St. Vrain and Hab had other problems. There was a fire in 1815 that destroyed a good portion of the brewery, causing a shutdown for nearly a year. Then in 1818, Jacques died. With St. Vrain being the business end of the partnership, it wasn't long after his passing that Hab, whose expertise was in production, failed to turn a profit and he abandoned his half of the business. But Jacques St. Vrain's true legacy is his children. He'd married a French woman from St. Louis, and they had five sons and one daughter. Now, some have argued that they might have been one of the most influential families in the Trans-Mississippi West in the early 1800s. Like their father, the boys had itchy feet and a hankering for travel. The youngest son, Marcelin St. Vrain, was instrumental in the exploration and settlement of western Illinois and northeastern Missouri, where he established salt works, lumber mills, and trading posts in various locations from St. Charles all the way north to what is today the Iowa border. Marcelin died in 1871 on land that he had settled along Salt River in Rawls County, which is my home county, and he's buried in the town of Center, Missouri, which was my mother's hometown. Felix St. Vrain, the oldest of the brothers, was born in 1799. He worked closely with Marcelin and the younger brothers' businesses, but he found he had a gift for languages. And with most of the native people of the Mississippi Valley having uh, some use of French, he worked as an interpreter and guide for various interests, including the Missouri Territorial and the United States governments. In 1830, the U.S. government appointed Felix to head of the Indian Agency out of St. Louis, which covered all of the Mississippi River Valley north of the Ohio. It stretched onward north to the Canadian border and west to the Rocky Mountains. During the Black Hawk War in 1832, while delivering dispatches to the Army in northern Illinois, his party was fallen upon by Sauk and Winnebago warriors. Felix, who was well known to both tribes and had been adopted by a Sauk chieftain, believed he would be able to cross through the country safely. 
but the eldest St. Vrain brother, along with three traveling companions, were killed in the attack. But perhaps the most influential brother was the third son, Saren St. Vrain. In 1824, at the age of 22, with the backing from investors in St. Louis, Saren traveled to the newly independent Republic of Mexico and established the first U.S. trading post in Taos, in what is today New Mexico. He married a local woman and became a naturalized citizen of Mexico, which enabled him to avoid a number of restrictions that were imposed on American traders in the territory. He soon formed a partnership with American trader William Bent and the newly founded fur company, Bent St. Vrain and Company, built an adobe trading post and fort, Bent's Fort, on the South Platte River near what is today Pueblo, Colorado. From Bent's Fort, Saren led trade parties north along the front range of the Rocky Mountains in order to establish trade relations with the various people of the area, including the Ute, Cheyenne, Arapaho, Lakota, Crow, and many others. When Saren Saint Vray died in 1870 in Mora, New Mexico, over 2,000 people attended his funeral. Natives, New Mexicans, Americans, a recognition of the respect and influence that he had held on the American frontier of the 19th century. In his 68 years, he had traveled from the Mississippi River to the interior mountains of New Mexico and Colorado. He explored and mapped the front range of the Rockies from El Paso to the North Platte River in Wyoming. And in Boulder County, Colorado, there's a canyon and a creek named after him, St. Vrain's Canyon and St. Vrain's Creek. St. Vrain's Creek's headwaters are very near Estes Park, where just last month, and while looking down over the canyon and creek, named after that frontiersman, I enjoyed some really good beer at a place called Lumpy Ridge. This is episode 35. Welcome to the Brews Traveler, exploring the craft beer scene across North America, one craft brewery at a time. And now here's your host, the man who gets more MPP, that's miles per pint, than anybody, Alan Tatman. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Brews Traveler. Thank you for finding us out here in the podcasting universe. And as you can probably tell, my voice is shot. I've been ill. I'm uh, much, well, I don't think I'm much better than last week. I'm a little better than I was last week at this time, which I couldn't even talk for more than a sentence or two before I started coughing and hacking. So I just said, I'm going to put a show up this week. I'm sorry if I sound terrible. If you follow us on Facebook, I posted a notice and apology that I wouldn't have the show up in time last week, so I felt obligated to get something up here on the feed. Those of you who personally know me, you know that I have issues with respiratory ailments, and every winter it's just another challenge to get through it. Uh, I'm going on two weeks this time dealing with this crap, and uh, last year it was worse. Uh, the entire month of February I didn't leave the house. I had a fever and I don't think my flu shot worked last year these are these are old folks problems but uh, you know that's I'm I'm getting old 
Uh, my hope was that we would be on the road, Marilee and I, in the first week of February, but she hurt her knee. And uh, by the way, my knee's doing great since uh, before I left for Colorado last month. So we had to delay our planned trip to South Texas. And uh, while we were delaying that, <clears throat> I got sick. And uh, now it's just going to be a few weeks here until St. Patrick's Day. I think, what, three weeks? four weeks and that uh st patrick's celebration lasts a whole week here so we're not going to be going anywhere until after that's over so the week after st patrick's day merrily and i we're going to be going to new york city so i hope i pick up an interview or two while we're out that way and uh otherwise you're going to get a good dose of colorado breweries here in the next few weeks to come i still have an interview from back east in december but I'm waiting to do a follow-up interview with somebody that's like really tied into this brewery that's kind of famous. Uh, I'm not going to say any more than that. Uh, but that show's coming. So that's what you can look forward to on the podcast in the weeks to come. Tony's traveling this week, so uh, he's taking the week off. And regarding this week's brewery, uh, this was suggested visit uh, to me by my friend Kyle Riley, who's also a Facebook follower. Um, I put out a call for suggested des suggested destinations. My gosh, folks, I'm sorry about this stuff. Anyway, he highly recommended this week's guest, so uh, let's get on with it. From Estes Park, Colorado, here's Nicholas Smith, owner-brewer of Lumpy Ridge Brewing Company, and here it is, your interview of the week. Hello, everybody, and uh, we're having a Rocky Mountain High day here in Estes Park, Colorado, and I'm sitting with Nicholas Smith of Lumpy Ridge Brewing Company. Nick, thanks for having us. Oh, my at, pleasure. Um, having the Brews Traveler into your brewery today. It's a Saturday afternoon. The sun is shining outside. We're back in the brew house itself. Uh, there's a lot of folks here. Uh, is this kind of typical for a Saturday afternoon in the winter? It is, yeah. Estes Park is, we don't, we're a mountain town without a ski area. Right. But uh, but there's lots of cool little things to do. And, uh, you know, when we started with the uh, uh, beer business in earnest here, um, the whole craft beverage scene is kind of blossoming. So, right. So now you get folks that are just making their way up here for day trips, and that's what we see a lot on the weekends in the winter. Well, now my my good friend Kyle Riley, who I know and I trust his uh, I trust his uh, judgment because he's he and I agree on a lot of good beers, and uh, he told me to if I was in Colorado, I had to make the trip up here and see you guys, and uh, I have not been disappointed yet. I've tasted about three or four of your beers, and I had a pint of Thurman's. By the way, cool dog, <laughs> and uh, I had a pint of Thurman's Stout, and now I'm on to the IPA. This has got a flavor in it that's different than what I expect in an IPA. I noticed in your description you call it dank. What, what's dank mean? I, I see that a lot, but what? And I thought it means different things. I think to different people, but right, dank, dank to us um, is is a description of like an oniony, garlicky flavor. Okay. That when you when you put a 
solid amount of uh, you know hop or excuse me the Azaka hop is the star in this beer and uh, it has a very 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 traditionally it's considered pretty tropical and um, but when you go just a hint above that uh, that sweet spot you start to get these flavors that uh, that until it mellows out or warms up a little bit you don't get as much tro- tropical as you do like right. this kind of oniony garlicky stank that mixed with columbus which is the other hop featured in this right. beer really 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 shines and and kind of makes a fun forward and finishing uh, it is you know. it's 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 got a very nice lingering aftertaste that um I, you know now that you say onion and garlicky that's i'm kind of figuring out but a lot of people think oh that would be terrible but no the, it, hints of it not not like you're eating an onion or a clove of garlic right, right. And, with, and you know and with beers like you know with the that's the i guess the more uh, aromatic forward beers it may you know maybe uh i don't know it, it kind of keeps this west coast character going on that right uh, we really embrace here, um, but once you get through that part, there's another part that gives that uh, a nod to the to the East Coast and the more um, juicy right. flavors out there. Without being, you know, so um, you know, coupling that with uh, brewing at altitude and some of those things, right. it's, it's kind of you know trying to be distinctive in a right. in a sea of IPAs. The citrus on the front end comes through really really shines you know what this reminds me of and you might be familiar with this bear uh beer <laughs> um is santa fe's 7k ipa not their happy camper but the new one that they introduced last I, year i'm not familiar with it but uh it's it must, it's, must be handsome as well <laughs> yes it's, it's very good it's very good so how did you get into craft brewing i started uh, uh out of the restaurant business in Terre Haute, indiana uh, in about 2003, I started managing a tap room more on, on, on that end, on the food and beverage end, not necessarily the production and and uh, uh, end of it. And uh, the Terre Haute Brewing Company, um, which was huge up until the 1960s, and it was bought out, as you can imagine today, by uh, uh, Pabst Brewing in 1962 and then pieced apart and, and just equipment sold off but at one time it was the fifth largest brewery in the country wow and uh this guy an antiques dealer and a, and a person that had owned many buildings in the old brewery district of Terre Haute, indiana um found the old uh, pre-prohibition pilsner recipe and decided to uh reopen this this historic brewery with making the historic german uh heritage beer so we uh, so from that, they started a tap room, and then we went on to sell the tap room and um, go into just production and uh, distribution. Okay. And from then, my job went to sales, which uh, Indiana in 2003-4, we called it the Diet Beer Belt. <laughs> because at the time, you know, like three Floyds were scrambling around. They were impressed that our brew house had a rake, right. you know, in a mash tun. And, and uh uh, Matt Anthony and some of the other uh, Upland, some of the other now very well regarded right. uh, Indiana pioneers of the Indiana beer scene were, you know, we we were right in there too. We just, uh, I reckon, we sold out before before our time. Yeah, 
So, yeah. so then my then when we you got out of the tap room business, my job evolved into uh, sales and distribution. Right. And we were self distributed in uh, Indiana, and um, so I was out there, and to fill time, I would hang around the brew house, and okay. I started to help clean and and started learning a thing here and there, and and I, and I started working on the taxes, the ever ongoing taxes, <laughs> and then at a at a point, you know, I I started running brews and and. Uh, in a, in a few years uh, through on-the-job training, um, basically started doing everything. Right. Running the brew house. Um, at that point, we had found a craft distributor out of Indianapolis that was, uh, uh, you know, moving our beer around the state. And um, so then I became the head brewer and, and you know, just operated the brewery from that point. We were into, we were into bottles and, uh, and then you know, keg distribution right. as well. So how'd you get from Terre Haute, which means high land, to even higher land <laughs> in Colorado? Well, I had to go here to get there, uh, or there to get here. We, I moved out. I lived up in Wyoming for a little while. Where in Wyoming? Uh, by Saratoga. Okay. And the folks I worked for owned um, a brewery there in Saratoga. And I Snowy Range Brewing, I believe, is what it's called now. Um, but at that time, I was able to kind of try to keep the chops up, although it's a small system, and, and that brewer really had his, uh, you know, his mizzen play, if you will. You know, he, he had his style dialed in. Um, and then I went from there to Long Island, New York, oh. and uh, did a little, yeah, that was a big change, <laughs> and uh, moved uh, right by the Blue Point Brewery, which uh, is now owned by Anheuser-Busch, but yeah. at the time was was independent and they brewed at a little place called the Brookhouse Brewery in Patchogue, Long Island and uh, so that's when I started home brewing and really just trying to stay in the game but everywhere I went from then on was where am I going to put this dream of a microbrewery and um, and that brings us up to like 2008 or so and I got to do a beer with uh, Blue Point Brewers at the Brickhouse Brewery um, we made one of our old German lagers, which I cut my teeth on, and um, you know had a time there. And then somewhere along the middle of 2009, I found through a friend a restaurant for sale here in Estes Park. And uh, my wife at the time, we were ready to make a move from Long Island, and we had a we had a you know the 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 pin in the map type of thing going on. And think of any cool city. Austin, Madison, Wisconsin, Portland, Oregon, San Diego, you know, Fort Collins, never even dreamed of Estes Park. Right. And a friend that lived here told me about a restaurant that was for sale that had a lot of great momentum and a lot of potential. And uh, we came out and looked at it and looked at everything kind of worked. And so we moved here to, uh, to get into that, not knowing how much... Uh, one, how beautiful Estes Park is. Oh, it's gorgeous. And how many great people we would meet. And next thing you know, um, all our deals fell through for the restaurant uh, for about a year and a half. So in that time, bought a house, looked at other options, and then something did come through to buy half the restaurant. And uh, and then from that point, looking to add a uh, brew pub element to it, we changed the licensing and then... Um, as things go, I had a great opportunity to sell, and 
Uh, so sometimes you got to take those. So I did. And then uh, about a year and a half later, I started down this road with Lumpy Ridge. Okay. When did you open the brewery here? Uh, July 15th, or excuse me, July 18th of uh, 2015. Okay. So you've only been going now for, you'll be on your fourth year here. Yes. Yeah. This is an old gas station, isn't it? It is. Was it, it, was it, a, was it operating as a convenience store when you bought the property? It, or it wasn't. It, it had been, uh, so I looked for old garages uh, yeah. as part of my criteria for a brewery. One, they're usually cheap. Right. Um, the, uh, there's already floor drains, mm. and there's a lot of infrastructure going on. You know, on. I never thought of that, but that's, you're exactly right. Uh, a garage and a brewery have basically the same needs when it comes to getting rid of stuff right right right. and and uh and then in terms of this equipment had come into my life um all dairy based uh the the old milk tanks are sitting out back now for sale by the way (laughs) (laughs) but uh but when the equipment came into my life originally um i was looking to do a a nano brewery okay Um, Okay. a, a really small one or two barrel system right uh, with a nice little kitchen and do tapas and boutique beers and boutique food and uh, add this element to uh, Estes Park, which up until we got underway was had one brewery for, you know, 22, 23 years at that point. And considering that with the rest of uh, the, the beer business in, in Colorado is way behind the times. All right. So... At, at first, I thought about moving out of Estes Park to do the brewery, and then it was like, well, you know, there's we're, we're, we're 25 miles from the nearest competitor, which is Oscar Blues. <laughs> which, right. So no worries there. So there's, they, no, they there, their there's, no, there's no other brew pubs or craft breweries here in Estes Park? Well, um, Or there to, may be now. There, there is now, yeah. yeah. And to get back to the genesis of that is uh, Estes Park had, no one had, visited the, the the brewery rules here in a long time so there were old there was old code on the book that dictated that you had to have a restaurant in accoutrement to your um craft beverage facility and the restaurant represented a certain percentage most towns oh, yeah. most places in america had this rule yeah from way back no one had ever asked in estes park before and i had this equipment um it went from uh nano capacity to a 15 barrel system and it was like well i'm gonna want to distribute and and that kind of thing and so it came down to i don't even though i have a great background and love of food um and 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 putting that together um i didn't feel like i could do both of them successfully at the same time right so and so the idea went from that boutique thing to a production facility where i could not necessarily have to rely on the seasonality of our town. And if I produce beer, I could sell it all right. over the state, um, all, all times a year. Um, but uh, the first thing we had to do was get the codes changed. Right. So I set up a meeting. This was January of 2014. Um, at that point, I had settled on uh, this was the garage I wanted. It was three years defunct at the time, so the landlord had no problem yeah, he you know, was ready. He was, getting, he was, yeah, he was motivated. Getting it sorted out. And uh, and I went to the town. Our town administrator is an old Fort Collins guy. He got it immediately. I was like, right. 
can we do this in Estes Park? And he's like, I don't see why not. And then he looked up the code and he's like, oh, here's why not. Well, we should change this. And, yeah. and uh, so we started down the road of changing it. And in that time, um, a uh, aspiring distillery came out of the woodwork and another aspiring brewery came out of the woodwork. And, um, and we ultimately banded together to more or less educate our town uh, leadership so, and So you created like an Estes Park Brewer Distillers Guild. We did. Yeah. We, we now call ourselves CBEV, Craft, Craft Beverage of Estes Valley. Okay. And, um, and it's an unofficial <laughs> I group, would, but we work together on all kinds of legislation. Well, local legislation, yeah. let me say, for like food trucks. We created the whole... Um, I would say, though, I would say because you are in Colorado, which is was way ahead of the rest of the country on the craft beer uh, scale on the bell curve, uh, I'd say that, you know, that probably behooved you guys uh, when you started talking to the local city council and the administrators here. Would you, would you agree with that? Um, you know, we didn't meet a ton of resistance, more, yeah. more a lack of... Um, it was more of an educational thing. Estes Park has the oldest population in the state. So the average age here is 57, which is outside hey, of... Hey, that's not old. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's, it's not old. Says but, the 57 and a half year old. Yeah, man. no. Right. <laughs> but, the, uh, but one of the things uh, that was, um, you know, we, we found ourselves up until uh, uh, recently really being behind the wave on a lot of things um, in our state and just trends in general and not saying that old people are bad or anything like that no and, no 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 we, and we, i hope to be we, one someday yeah we, <laughs> we, we 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 can become set in our ways yes but but our our, our not town, all of us our town some. administration at that time in terms of town town board and and whatnot was a lot of folks that didn't really know about craft beverage yeah. even though it's at that yeah. point even in though, 2014 yeah even though 30 miles down the road you've got you've got just tons of craft it, exactly right. it, it's a it was a momentous thing in our state that had at that point had well proven itself um to be a beneficial right uh part of the fabric of every community that it's in and uh so it took it took some educating and some and some understanding. It was about an eight month process to to honestly um, they put together the by they the town administration and the the town board had put together a field trip to Fort Collins to go visit Odell and Equinox and nice. a, a full spectrum of and a, a Copper Muse Distillery because the distillery people were in the you know in the uh, movement at that time right. And uh, it really took that trip to to Fort Collins to for them to see that you know they go into these breweries and it's not you know another bar and it's right. not another roaming raving band of, uh, of of drunkards. It's there are people reading books, there were kids yeah. playing, you know there are people thoughtfully right. tasting things and and having uh, you know experiences that were you know. They just didn't understand actually happened in a place where alcohol is produced and sold. And I, I've heard this, and I agree with this, owning a bar myself for 19 years. Uh, I I like drinkers. I don't like drunks. Exactly. And I think that's kind of the philosophy with most uh, 
craft brewers that have tap rooms and whatnot. Oh, we even in the summer we close at eight o'clock. I mean, for for many reasons, this side of town is a little less traveled, which mm-hmm. works in two great ways. We're not quite in the foot traffic, so our retail business is is slower than yeah. one that might be in the foot traffic. But on the other hand, it filters out a lot of folks that are just going to walk in your door because it's open. It's and have, late, and yeah, and have no expectation and and the lack of restaurants and whatnot on this end of town right you know uh, come in here it's, like, it's coming what, little have you got little. food yeah exactly we yeah. if you come here you are looking for us yeah and that really makes for a better experience all around so besides your on-premise business and sales here are you selling anywhere else in the town or around the state i know you have bombers absolutely we do uh bombers and uh and kegs um we're all over town that was the uh one of the easiest footprints to create right. um and we've now we self-distribute to netherland lions and here in estes park and some of the little mountain towns in between <coughs> excuse me and then um, yeah and then we actually signed a contract with the distributor back in august colorado craft uh distributors um has a really great portfolio uh, uh and they get it they do. Yes, yeah. they're 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 a small distributor. They have a very, <coughs> excuse me, um, small brewery oriented portfolio, and they serve uh, a market that is, um, you know, it's, yeah, self distributing. We we were in from Fort Collins all the way as far south as Superior. Cool. And um, with Colorado Craft, they manage all that now as well as go all the way to Colorado Springs, and we're finding ourselves in Breckenridge and some of the Summit County uh, towns as well, right. so, which is, you know, terrific for us. <laughs> You're a good boy. You're an old gentleman. Yeah. Greets everybody, comes in. Thurman's 15. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, we've been together the whole time. Um, and, yeah, he's... Yeah, Thurman is their dog. He is a black, I would say lab collie mix of some sort or another do you know he's he's got a ton of chow he's got oh, really? the black tongue and the yeah. and the and the black gums um he's got he's got that lab face and and yeah there's i've seen this style of mutt very small and and, and much bigger than him yeah. he's about 50 pounds he always has been at 15 he's he's running more about 46 pounds these days he's uh he's got the coat of like a border collie yeah He's a sweet boy. And they have a stout here named after him that's just as sweet and delicious <laughs> as he is. So he's a good dog. Um, how big is your brew house here? We run a 15-barrel system. Mm-hmm. Um, as I had mentioned before with our uh, with our fermentation side, we used to use horizontal dairy tanks. They are for sale. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <coughs> excuse me, which, which uh, you know, we harnessed and, and really got us underway we managed for um almost three years with, with uh making reasonable beer in a uh in, and selling it in markets like fort collins and boulder um with with really really um you know the, the tanks would be great for funky stuff and pilsners uh or lagering you know we we were running full you know full full batches um with the best that we had and uh, and I reckon stubbornness and and some uh, magic 
really got us through <laughs> to where to where we've now replaced those with uh, five uh, beautiful new uh, yeah. fifteen barrel fermenters. So, so yeah, a seventy five so, barrel. So you capacity. bit the bullet and went ahead and bought them, bought your fermenters. We did. Yeah. So so what's your annual production approximately? Um, this year we're probably uh, five hundred barrels was was last year. This year we're probably uh, I feel like. The last I looked, we we're probably running around 700, 750 barrels. Okay. Um, so you're gonna you're gonna have like uh, like fifty percent growth if you're at five hundred and you're gonna get to seven fifty. Yeah. 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 It's you know last year we did seventy five percent growth. Right. Now that's not sustainable forever. That's almost falling forward with, uh, with you know you get running so fast you fall forward. Right. Um, we're really consciously trying. I started on a budget. Um, and we, we've got a little more faith in this thing, but I stay on a budget Good for because you. I really want to make this thing um, to build a foundation. We're really low debt, and we're really um, focused on making, uh, you know, just as making quality beer and moving forward with intention. Your portfolio, do you have flagships and seasonals, or how do you work that out? Um, you know, Still in, you know, halfway through our third year, I think that we, uh, my philosophy, I, I really try to be ad as adaptive as possible. And um, so right now in, in our portfolio, we run five flagship beers that we make year-round. Right. And then we pepper in one, um, basically one winter seasonal um, and one summer seasonal. Okay. And 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 Estes and that's kind of where we are in Estes Park. You don't really have the two other <laughs> seasons. It it basically turns snowy and cold, and it's winter time. Right. And then it stops snowing, and it's summertime. So uh, so just being true to our environment in a sense. Uh, yeah, I've I've worked that way. But it, but I've played with lots of models. I like the idea at this point that we're not. As we grow, we have to commit to more things. Right. So I cling to what we don't have to commit to for as long as possible. And there was a time, uh, certainly what we saw in self-distribution is in a lot of uh, every other market that we were in outside of Estes Park, we were very much, and even in Estes Park, a rotator. Right. And what I found was the more I could offer, the more our rotation turned into our own beer right. as opposed to someone else's. So there was a time, literally just a year ago, that I had toyed with the idea of, well, until we have a breakout brand and item, why the hell not just make a bunch of random beers and just be, you know, a kind of a... Creative, uh, artistic. Yeah, yeah. And, and have a ton of fun with it, and, yeah. and which it's all fun, of course. But to, yes, yeah, just keep, uh, like we do, with, we have a one-barrel pilot system that if we're not working on something specifically, we scratch the artistic itch and, uh, and always try to push the envelope and, and try things that we would you know, never invest in on a large scale. So right now, how many beers have you got on tap? We have 10 now. 10, yeah. okay. And those are all yours, none of those are guest taps? Correct, yeah. All right, great. So you've, you've been around craft brewing now for more than 15 years right about that More you've been around it i've been around it yes. yeah and you've been brewing yourself for 
in a ballpark, sense the entire yeah. time. No, in a sense, yeah. But I uh, and and then now you've been now you've been brewing just brewing for the last three and a half years. Correct. What is the best day that you've had here in three and a half years at Lumpy Ridge? It's, it's a really tough question. Which is yes, I I, I now that. Now I'm rolling back on many, many good days. Joe um, Walsh, you know, life's we, been good to me so far. <laughs> well, I mean, it hasn't been easy, but no, but it's but it has been uh, absolutely fulfilling. I would say, you know, this past Fourth of July, um, we're right in full view of the fireworks. Yeah, I've heard I've heard that the the fireworks show here is spectacular. It is. I mean, you put put the mountains in anything, and, and you're you know, yeah. everything just elevates yeah because like estes no park for those of you who've never been here i was here years ago it's kind of like a bowl there's mountains like almost all the way around except there's a pass that comes down into the valley and that and park was an old name that the trappers gave to a creation like this where a river came out of a area where it was a bowl and there were mountains on all sides so so i can see where you'd have a fireworks show and everything's gleaming off of the mountains and the foothills it would be just gorgeous it, it is and and the echoes of the which not a lot of dogs love it but you know <laughs> the, the, the booms and the echoes and the sounds and the um but i'll say this fourth of july we had such a we, we we've built such a little community here between all of our craft beverage places right but but ours in particular you know which i can speak to the best we had uh and uh, and i should also preface this that Visitorship and tourism is our business, you know, for Estes Park. So I don't mean this in any bad way toward uh, toward visitors. But I will say that the evening started out with uh, tons of people, you know, in, in daylight. And then people started jockeying down. There was a little sprinkle. And if anyone's been up here for any amount of time, tourist or local, um, you know that if you wait just a moment, the weather's going to change. Yeah, it's going to leave, yeah. And... Uh, but during that time, just anyone that wasn't kind of from here in our little community started kind of peppering out and finding, you know, finding a place, a dry place. And, and uh, we don't have a huge indoor area. I, I, so. never, I never understood that. People think they're going to melt, you know. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I, I get it. And, I, I, you know, and I, I wouldn't, you know, disparage anyone. I, I, get, I get it. If I didn't know, I would move on, too. It's like I don't I don't blame anyone. That's why I, I try not to make this sound like, you know, you don't know what you're doing kind of uh, spiel. What, but what happened was is they kind of moved out, and then just this whole community of local friends and family just moved in, moved in, and just overtook the place. And all the berms and all the in, in anywhere that there was a seat or a place around, it was just full of uh, just community and people that we knew mm-hmm. and loved and that loved us and and um i yeah i feel like there was uh, a moment there around kickoff time fireworks that you just just looked around and it's like wow look what we did and look at all these people that um love what we're doing and look what we added to our little town that's you know we we get a bit of a reputation in estes park as being a little cheesy and a little tourist trappy and this and that but we made this thing uh that not only adds you know value to visitors time but it was just so apparent that we've 
accomplished a little bit or some of our other goal and that's to add quality of life to people that live here and uh and i reckon that's just contagious for for other folks but that's yeah that that, that feeling and that just kind of take a look around and and uh look how far we've come and that was very satisfying before we get out of here i want to ask you uh do you have any plans for expansion or are you looking or are you still on that are you still on that plan and holding to it that we're going to get this completely worked out before we start expanding? Um, in, in my mind, we're ever expanding. Um, mm-hmm. Like I just don't see any, you know, uh, uh, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think about a ceiling per se, but as far as um, in that strategic movement, um, yes, we're at a place we added, we doubled our, physical capacity which really makes our um our ability to make more we have a lot to grow into um we added on to our retail space for year-round business which is you're seeing it right now um uh, in uh, being successful and um so at this point i feel like yes there is expansion down the road but for now um we have a little bit to grow into and i'm going to be really thrilled not to uh make any big purchases maybe for a year or two but but if but if opportunity comes knocking i hope i hope i have the presence of mind to see it clearly well nick you've got an (laughs) honest business here you've got a great little brew house you got a great little tap room and you're making really good beers and i can see why kyle riley just told me i absolutely had to come here thank you so much my pleasure i appreciate it (laughs) thank you kyle uh, riley (laughs) all right and uh well Cheers. (laughs) And that's it. Thanks again, Nick, for the hospitality. And Estes Park uh, is just beautiful. And the Rocky Mountain National Park is right next to it. And if you haven't been out there in the wintertime, go. Or go any time of year. It's absolutely gorgeous. I I got one of the best photos I've ever taken up at the park. Just as the sun was setting uh, beyond the mountains on this creek coming through a snow-covered field. It's, it's, I'll, I'll put it on the Facebook page with the announcement of, uh, of, this pro, of this episode going to be put up. I'll put it on Facebook and Instagram. So. And if you get up, do get up there, tell uh, Nick you heard, about it. you heard about him on The Bruise Traveler. We had a conversation after the interview, my narration at the opening of the show on Saren St. Vrain and uh, St. Vrain Canyon and St. Vrain Creek. Uh, Nick almost named the brewery the St. Vrain Brewing Company, which I told him would have been the second St. Vrain Brewing Company in North America, the first one back in St. Louis in the 1800s. They even had a logo worked up, but settled on Lumpy Ridge, which I think was a good call. It's a beautiful line of mountains that stands dominantly above the town of Estes Park. Lumpy Ridge Brewing Company is located in an old gas station and garage at 531 South St. Vrain Avenue in beautiful Estes Park, Colorado. The tap room is open Monday through Thursday, 2 to 7 p.m., Friday, 2 to 8 p.m., Saturday, 1 to 8 p.m., and Sunday, 1 to 7 Everything you need to know about Lumpy Ridge, including their events calendar, which I can tell you, these guys have a lot going on with their customers and the community, and you can find out what 
everything that's up over at their Facebook page at Lumpy Ridge Brewing and on their website at LumpyRidgeBrewing.com. You've been listening to The Brews Traveler. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or check out our blog on website, thebrewstraveler.com. Cheers. Well, folks, that's it. I'm sorry I sound like my head's in a barrel and my sinuses are full of snot, but that's just the way it is. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Brews Traveler Podcast. Send me a message. Tell me what you think of the show. If you have any questions, suggestions, or ideas, please let me know. Message me over on Facebook or Instagram. Or if you'd rather, send me uh, word the old-fashioned way. The email address is cheers at thebrewstraveler.com. Please go over to iTunes, give us a five-star rating, a glowing review. It would mean so much. The soundtrack for The Bruce Traveler is so graciously provided by our friends, Gaelic Storm. You can check out what's coming up for them in 2019 going to their calendar on their website at gaelicstorm.com. Marketing consultation provided by Mission Digital Marketing. So until next week, I don't think I'm going to see anybody until next week. I might, if I start feeling better uh, over the weekend, I might try to get out. But anyway, but I'll be right here on the podcast next week. Drink locally, think globally, take care of each other, take care of the earth, it's everything Marilyn, thanks for taking care of me. I love you, honey. You are the measure of my dreams. Thanks again for listening. So long for just a while.
The agreement an Indian makes to a United States treaty is like the agreement a buffalo makes with his hunters when pierced with arrows. All he can do is lie down and give in. Ore of the Uncompahagra Band of the Ute, head chief of the Ute Indian Nation. Born circa 1833, Taos, New Mexico. Died August 24, 1880, Los Pinos Indian Agency, Colorado.